You are listening to episode number three of the Wellness Real Estate Podcast. Today we have Allison Smith from Olivet, a Riverside farm to table community located right outside of Asheville, North Carolina here on the show. So as a real estate agent, why should you care about this? Wellness real estate is a term coined by the Global Wellness Institute. And did you know that it's more than a $134 billion industry already? It began many years ago as developers uh, created this movement to create communities that are more thoughtful in design that center around the well-being of residents rather than density and the bottom line. I recorded this episode a few weeks ago because I'm featuring Olivet in the October issue of my digital magazine, Wellness RE. It's a publication that I create for agents to share with their audience and positions them as leaders in the wellness real estate industry because it's the only publication that focuses on this topic as well as how to create a healthy home environment. And I know in my own experience, gaining knowledge about what is being developed, the wellness trends from 3D printing technology to eco designs are just things that no other agents are talking about. It gives you something unique and interesting and insightful to bring up in conversation so that it's still within the realm of real estate and it positions you as a leader. So if you're curious to know what an agrihood is, or if you're looking for interesting topics to discuss at your next gathering, be sure to stay tuned to this episode. Okay, let's grow. Welcome to the Real Estate Marketing Podcast, where we explore a unique strategy no one is talking about that will enable you to engage more people with authentic conversations about your business more often. And it's called Wellness Real Estate. Not sure what that is or how it can help you as an agent? Well, that's what this podcast is all about. In fact, Wellness Real Estate is growing so rapidly that it is projected to be nearly $870 billion by 2027. I'm Sheila Alston, and I'm your host. I'm also the founder of Healthy Home Media, where I help agents all over the country leverage this new trend in the industry to spark new conversations that will get people to listen to you and notice your brand. So if you're tired of spinning your wheels without any leads or sales to show for it, then stay tuned. I guarantee this podcast is not like any you've heard before. Welcome to the Wellness Real Estate Podcast. Asheville, North Carolina has long been a destination for people seeking nature-based health, wealth, wellness, and recreation in the Southern Appalachian Mountain. Today, it's also the home for the region's first Ackerhood, Olivet Riverside Community and Farm, and it's built around a four-season organic farm designed to connect people with nature, community, and, and their food. So today we have special guest, Allison Smith, who's a founding partner at Olivet Riverside Community and Farm. And we're, I'm so excited to learn more about the community. So stay tuned. Hi, Allison. Hi, how are you? Good. Nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. Too. I've just been looking at your community and it looks awesome. Thank you. It's on the river and it's an ag, it's the first region's first agrihood. Maybe That's you could correct. just tell us a little bit more about Olivet. Well, Olivet is is actually the first regional um, agrihood, the first that I know of in North Carolina. Um, mm -hmm. It is a 350-acre farm-based community located on the French Broad River, about 6.9 miles from downtown Asheville. Um, we have approximately 1.3 miles of river frontage and about four acres of land in cultivation for organic gardeners. Um, we currently employ two farmers that are charged with um, growing all the crops for Olivet and the surrounding area. 
and um, we're quite proud of what what we've accomplished so far in the first the first six years of our community. Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask you. So it's only six years old. How many homes are in Olivet? We have 50 homes that have uh, been completed or near completion with people uh -huh. living there, and we've sold 74 house uh, sites to date. So we. Um, also have a fair amount of construction that's happening at this this time for um, people who have just broken ground or getting ready to build. Yeah, so what is your plan for um, when it's all built out? How many homes will you have? We'll have approximately 325 homes in mixed density and that'll be everything from um, half acre, acre and a half uh, parcels with homes on them to quarter acre home sites that are addressed uh, directly adjacent to a community green space of some sort. Mm -hmm. And we will have some townhomes in the mix as well. Oh, nice. Um, so tell me, I mean, this is a wellness community. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit more about what makes it a wellness community, not besides just having a farm. Well, I think the farm lifestyle and um, and the culture that's created around that lifestyle certainly is a, is a large part of it. But in addition to that, our primary amenities are in, um, in outdoor spaces, in trails and parks and um, places that encourage pedestrian activity. Uh, we have community gardens and orchards and all the things that would really encourage people to get out and really um, be in the natural world. Exactly, I know we spend so much time in our homes and on the computers and on all, all this stuff. We just really, we need to be encouraged to connect to nature somehow. So get out, have some trails, see your neighbors sometimes. <laughs> well, and, and that's really a pivotal part of our land plan too when you consider um, creating spaces for people to gather that are really desirable spaces. So our trail system extends um, throughout the community. It makes a loop. Currently, it's about halfway around the entire community, about three and a half miles of interior hiking trails, but they skirt along the French Broad River and they connect up with the farm and eventually we'll, we'll create that loop that goes all the way around the community and it'll be close to eight miles of, of trail system that we're anticipating. And with that and those shared community spaces like our, our Riverside Park too, that encourages recreation in itself. Right. Um, just people getting out, spending time with their dogs and yeah. getting physically active, yeah. Do you have other um, gathering centers like a community center or anything like that or is it really the farm? It's really the farm. So we have a community pavilion that's down on the river, which is gives us a place to gather. Um, and we do have plans uh, in the future to have um, some sort of community gathering space, um, but that, that'll be at a future date. We haven't really, we wanna have a certain uh, critical mass within the community to support that. And we also are really committed to not having any, any amenities that are not being utilized fully. We don't wanna create a spike in HOA. So one thing that, that's been incredibly important to us since the very beginning is making sure that those HOA do stay static. And part of that is creating an amenity package that is either uh, low cost or pays for itself. Right. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about the history and how you, how all of it kind of was started and what was the reason for starting it and maybe the design plan and well it was it was very serendipitous and uh really a lot of it had to do with just finding this piece of property stumbling upon this piece of property and falling in love with it because the 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 land itself is just outstanding um just 
the views are incredible and just the proximity to the water uh the topography everything about it it just made it ex an exceptional property um the the root of the farm-based community we were pretty much had a, a farm-based lifestyle prior to starting all of that mm -hmm. and that was a, a very influential um part of of the beginning part of the the plan but we we also were inspired by Serenby in uh, Georgia mm -hmm. and what the folks at Serenby had done with their community. Um, and that really gave us the idea that, you know, we could take this beyond just a, a lifestyle preference or a hobby of living farm to table and take that to a wider group and really celebrate um, that, you know, an old concept that's been made new again, which is that living close to the land and having that farm to table lifestyle. I love that. So tell me, so you're one of the founding partners. Are there, is there other partners involved? Yes, there are several other partners involved. Mm -hmm. So I'm, my primary position is um, sales and marketing and creative work. Um, my business partner, Scott Austin, uh, fronts all the, um, he, he's in charge of infrastructure and um, all the things that are necessary for, for a successful community like roads and utilities uh -huh. and does an amazing job with that. Um, William Dickerson is, uh, does land planning and the parks and um, trails systems. Um, then we have a couple of silent partners that are involved as well. But we have other members of our team that have been pivotal, that, that have been there since the very beginning. Uh, we have an events coordinator, Erica Harrow, that came on very close to the beginning of our community, and she's charged with really creating a curriculum for, uh, for educational experiences and also just fun events for reasons for a community, a pivotal part of keeping everyone connected. Elliot Nalen is also on staff and he's been there since the very beginning. Um, he's charged with energy efficiency and new construction and models all the homes that are at Olivet, make sure they meet those energy efficiency requirements that we've established uh, for the community. That's great. So maybe tell us a little bit about all the different like kind of wellness amenities you have because we didn't discuss the energy efficiency part, but I, you have the farm and the trails and how the homes are built. Well, if you, if you consider uh, the impact you have on the land and true sustainability, if you're looking at a sustainable community, one thing that's really important is conservation. So two, two pronged approach. One is localizing uh, food source, so you're not getting your food from across the country. So while we can't claim that we, we eat 100% off the farm, it really does reduce the supply chain and a lot of what we are eating. Um, the other part of it is establishing a pretty rigorous energy efficiency standard. And when we established these standards in 2015, um, we considered them to be uh, very assertive energy uh, requirements within the community. And that's a home energy rating score of 55 or lower. And all homes must be on geothermal heating and cooling. What we've seen, um, what we've been pleasantly surprised by throughout the development of the project is that the community members that are drawn to live at Olivet are exceeding those standards by far and they're building these beautiful custom homes they're just like gorgeous custom homes that have very low energy rating scores like i have examples of several homes that are net zero that are 
um, like 25 to 2,700 square foot homes that are that are net zero homes. So, and and that's not an aberration. That's we have I have many examples of that. That's wonderful. It's true because you're attracting that type of person to your community because of all. It, the it really, I think, the way we established our our guidelines really just does draw a certain type of person who's committed to that as well. So does that mean you guys have solar as well? Solar is not a requirement, but it is something that people are definitely embracing within the community and a, a large percentage of homes within the community have uh, solar. I have been kind of curious myself about gathering up some data uh, around home energy scores and um, efficiencies and who has solar. And that's something that that's on my radar. And if it would support you, I, I'd be happy to, to dig in a little deeper to that for some hard numbers. Oh, well, sure. If it's not too hard, that would be interesting to know. Um, okay. <laughs> but, you know, you know, um, you don't have to do a ton of research for it. I really, you know, I kind of wanted to know just what makes um, all of that unique and different. Um, I've been interviewing a lot of different agrihoods, but every, every place is different. I know that you guys are on a river also, so that makes it a little unique as it, well. It, it does make it unique. And, and really, you know, part of our energy, part of our, um, experience of conservation is really focused on those river areas and we have uh we're bordered on three sides by water we um yeah. we have uh the french broad river and lee creek that are um two predominant um bodies of water that come through the the community and we're working on also creating wildlife corridors that stretch along those that river frontage and the creek frontage um just to you know, establish and maintain um, easy corridors for wildlife to to go through the community. So some of our amenities within those areas are are very low impact, like a dog park or an orchard or community gardens. Um, we're also working on establishing pollinator gardens, so we have we can support um, pollinators in our area as well. That's something in the works then that we'd like to start now while we're in one of the preliminary stages of our community and then repeat that pattern as we go through. So we have those orchards and pollinator gardens throughout the community just to, you know, not just one area, but just pocket it throughout. Right. Do you plan to have any um, retail or any like village amenities or anything like a restaurant or coffee shop or... We would love to have that. That's something that when we, if you consider the site plan of Olivet, uh, we have on the eastern side of the property, uh, the river park and the pavilion and that community gathering place on the west side would be the, um, the farm stand and the farm areas where people gather. Um, and then in the center, we, we plan to have a townhome community and within that townhome community, a village green, and we'd love to have a coffee shop or um, some light use kind of sundries and, and, you know, perhaps a deli, something like that, something small 
we can't compete with Asheville. There's too much good food in this town. Yeah. So, but I know we could probably get and pull off a coffee shop really quickly with with the area, just the residents we already have. But. Well, yeah, just to have a place to walk to sometimes, you know, like mm -hmm. um, you feel like you want to get your coffee, but wouldn't it be better instead of driving to get your coffee if we just walked on the trail instead? You know, <laughs> it would be great. And. Yeah. Just a nice place just to have a place to meet people and, mm -hmm. you know, sit and visit with a friend. Mm -hmm. So that's something on our radar for sure. Did I see that you have some a school or something or maybe you're planning to have a school within your community as well? We would very much love to have a school at all of that. We mm -hmm. have designated some property that we would like to donate to a school, but we've... COVID was an interesting experiment and having a school actually on site. Um, we had uh, invited a local Waldorf school to join us um, and they needed a space for an outdoor classroom mm -hmm. last year during the pandemic. And we provided a space for them to put up their um, canvas tents. And it was a wonderful experience in ha having children on site. But we recognized that um, created some traffic issues and things that we would have to mitigate. So we're we're committed to having a school. We're not sure exactly where it will be located at this point. And while we're committed to putting the, the you know having land available for a school, we're also clear that we um, we we're not quite sure where it'll be. Oh, also. okay. Yeah, I wonder where I saw that. Then was it on your and website? We, and, and so the school itself has been part of the. When we, when we began with all of that and acquired the property, the first thing that we did was have um, a master planning charrette and we invited uh, local stakeholders, uh, educators, artists, soil scientists, civil engineers, environmentalists that would give us pushback about developing on the river. We just wanted to have everybody involved that may have some say in how this development came to be because we really wanted that feedback on the front end not after we yeah we made a misstep um, the property was just way too special to take any risks so um, we had a three-day planning charrette and um, it was just fantastic so everyone just kind of it was just this free flow of energy and this creative process that brought us to this master plan for the community. Um, we've really adhered to that uh, with very, very small exceptions and, and our commitment is to doing that moving forward. So with that regard, the school was a pivotal part of that. Um, we had uh, invited North Carolina Charter School Teacher of the Year, Chris Weaver, to participate that and develop a community a curriculum for the community school. Um, at this point in time, we have that, it's Olivet Living School, it's very much alive in our hearts, but we recognize that we have to partner with another school that's going to come in and bring their energy to the, to the space as well. So um, we're hoping that we find something that's kind of aligned in principle with, the, with that. Um, it would be a, definitely something that would be a more of an experiential learning uh, yes. and has a garden component or something nature component for sure definitely so that just brings me to the question did you have when you had this master plan put together did you have trouble with um, zoning or getting this development approved by the county or the local residents that are in the area well um, we were, we had um, been very fortunate we did not receive pushback um, we were very thoughtful about our plan um, and we submitted to the town of Woodfin, was our governing um, 
ordinate board and uh, it's mountain village zoning. So mixed use was a very appropriate use of the space of the land. And uh, we, we had pretty swift approval of our cool. plan. That's wonderful. Was it already just a more rural area anyways? And definitely, so it definitely rural area. Okay. And, you know, it's just shy of seven miles from downtown Asheville, but that puts you um, in the county and um, in, in our area. So it was, you know, to have a large parcel like that undeveloped um, is, is pretty unique that close to town, but it was just far enough that while we have neighbors, uh, we've been really careful to be very good neighbors and include yeah. our neighbors and, and, and let them know what we're up to if there's anything that we're doing on site that may cause a disturbance for, for any adjacent neighbors. We're careful about reaching out and letting them know what's happening and making apologies in advance. <laughs> yeah, how many acres is all of it altogether? It's just shy of 350 acres. Oh, um, I only bring the the zoning issue up just because there's another community that's in um, Oceanside, California, and they've been trying to develop this, but it's in a suburban um, area. So it's close. It's pretty close. I think it's maybe 10 or 15 miles from the beach. So it's very, um, I don't want to say it's dense because it is a rural kind of area that's close to the beach, but it's got kind of the suburbs all around it. Right. So they were approved um, by the county, but then it was brought to the public election and then the people voted it down, oh. which I know, but it's just because it's the people who were um, very vocal in not wanting it. And, and I don't know, she, I don't know all the details about it, but there's so many people that want it to happen because they're going to be doing so many wonderful things for the community. It is yeah. going to be an agri-hood and they're really... Um, I'm, I'm surprised people voted it down, honestly, but they're um, appealing it, so. It can be very tricky, and we don't have that process in mm -hmm. North Carolina, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as far as, like, uh, the community being able to object on that level to a project. Um, in some ways, I wish we did have that. I hate to say that as a developer, but I see a lot of development around us that's different. Um, not going to get too deep into that, but... Yeah um feedback in the mountains is important just uh -huh. for steep slope and issues that that can you know create disturbance site disturbances that affect um view corridors you know 20 30 miles and uh -huh. around so um i think it's important to take feedback we have a different definitely a different process um but we were really fortunate i think a lot of that is because we didn't maximize density on this land yeah. We were very thoughtful about how we did it and and really conserving those areas that need conservation and putting those into areas that you know just utilized by by people in in a low impact way well and it probably helped that you brought a lot of people in on the discussions from the very beginning like you said yes having that um, feedback on the front end especially from local environmental groups was really an important step for us yeah. So I noticed um, when I was looking at properties available, they're all land because uh, people are building custom homes and no one has tried to resell their home yet. <laughs> Everyone loves it. <laughs> we've, had, we've had a couple of exceptions. We've, we've had uh, actually one resale um, house. We've had a couple of spec homes, but for the most part, people are really happy and staying and 
Oh, that makes me very happy. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to know, um, you know, in 10, 15 years time when people do have to leave for whatever reason, the resale that you get from having a planned community like this compared to surrounding um, homes, what that's like. Well, we've definitely, um, we've definitely uh, created value uh -huh. for people who are living there. And um, we've seen that in land resales already. Um, how um, did you guys come up with the name Olivet? Well, it's the name of the community. Olivet Road is where we're located. And it just made perfect sense for us to just stick with that. Yeah. Um, there was a historic um, uh, railroad station at Olivet down on the river and drovers came through the area um, taking cattle from the neighboring county into Buncombe County for, uh, for sale. and. Um, so it's just, it just felt like uh, it was important for us to honor that history. Mm -hmm. What would you say um, the residents appreciate most about living there? What's your favorite? Gosh, I've, I've heard a lot of things. And since um, really primarily uh, since the pandemic, what I hear more and more often is how happy they are to have, you know, that sense of connection and community the neighbors the people that they know and love because it's a it the community is very uh very connected and um the other thing i hear a lot is just that how happy they are to have space to stretch out and yeah to be outside and just right out their back door there's trails that are in interconnected throughout the community through the different neighborhood hamlets to the master trail system so it's easy to get to a a very long stretch of trail pretty pretty quickly that's awesome okay and then maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the farm okay um you have a csa is that how does that work with the community everybody gets to just buy from the farm or i know you mentioned a farm stand too we do have a farm stand so the farm has evolved uh we originally started uh with one farmer and a part-time assistant. And um, while the community was growing, while we were establishing that critical mass to maintain, you know, to support the farm, we were selling to area restaurants. Um, about 70% of our produce is going to area restaurants. And then we had, uh, we were also selling through tailgate markets and then to residents within the community. The most dramatic shift came, um, we, during the pandemic, uh, all the uh, farm to table restaurants and beautiful restaurants that we have in downtown Asheville obviously weren't, uh, weren't ordering food anymore. So we had to make a quick shift. So we um, quickly expanded our CSA and we currently have 90 CS CSA shares that are available. We do release them to community members first and then we release them to the area at large. So, um, but we, we sold out this year and um, even with that massive expansion, we we feel like it's it was a successful move and a necessary move for us. And now that uh, the pandemic seems like you know maybe we're in a little bit of a lull right now, but um, restaurant sales have picked up. We're also selling through a local distributor um, in the area, and uh, we have online sales so people can order online and just pick up at the farm. And let's see what else we do. Tailgate markets are still very much a thing for us uh, and uh, the farm stand itself. So there's a, an honor system 
you can pay with a QR code and just uh, grab and go your pro go with your produce on your way home from work. And that's nice. So is it a weekly box that they sign up for? Or? It is weekly. It's a it's a, a actually just like a brown paper grocery sack, and it's full of fresh organic produce every week. And so as as we started with the farm stand, we started quite small, just primarily with all of that farm produce and what we intend to do is expand that as the farm grows, as the community grows, and there's more critical mass to, to support the farm stand. We would like to support neighboring farms as well. And um, currently are working with a baker who brings in fresh bread and a local uh, uh, person who brews jun elixir, which is similar to kombucha. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll have somebody sell eggs and then we'll have some sundries available too eventually. Oh, it sounds wonderful. What are the, um, what are you guys growing on the farm? I mean, do you well, it's all seasonal. It's all seasonal right now. I just picked up my CSA this week. I have a watermelon, which is so oh, exciting. Nice. Um, I have a watermelon, lots of tomatoes, okra, um, peppers, eggplant, the things that you would typically get in the summer, but that does change seasonally. We are a four season farm. So they go, they move indoors into hoop tunnels during the um, winter months in the mountains and grow uh, greens uh, and brassica crops indoors. Or well, would you in, say that you guys are a regenerative farm then? Have you heard of that? I have, I don't know that. Did you see that Netflix show, Kiss the Ground? I haven't. I should. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Okay, okay. Yeah, I know a little bit. You'll be inspired because they really um, talk about how just farming this way and not using all the fertilizers. Now, it, it started because this farmer basically got hit with all these um, natural disasters four years in a row, and he couldn't afford the fertilizers anymore. <laughs> so he mm -hmm. started looking up how to farm the land um, the way Thomas Jefferson did, and before all of the, the fertilizers. And so he just did it this way and he found that it was so much better and he ended up um uh i mean just to see his land next to the neighbor's land that's all barren and looks like a desert compared to his it looks like eden and he just said that it's better for the animals it's better for the oh population. yeah um anyways they they showed studies that said if just five percent of the farmers became regenerative farmers it could start a cooling down period for and so we wouldn't have global warming. It's been wow. reduce it in 20 years. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. So tell me the name of the Netflix series. It's called Kiss the Ground. Kiss the Ground. Yes. Okay. It's really I'm, good. I like it. It's at the top of my list. Okay. Okay. So we do, we, we practice um, organic farming method methods. They rotate crops. Um, they do not use any kind of chemical fertilizers or pesticides. So in that way, it's regenerative. We haven't gotten into um, like worm castings and um, that type of fertilizers. Uh, we do still fertilize with manure and augment the soil like that. Uh, we don't have any farm animals that I think is, you know, kind of part of that whole mm -hmm. concept. Mm -hmm. uh, so we wouldn't, I wouldn't say that we're a regenerative farm. Yeah. Okay. But I would like to be. Yes. You'll <laughs> love that movie though. I think it's. Of course, I would like my farmers to do that. I mean, it, it's yeah. a lot of, 
It is a lot, a lot of respect to the farmers. I just, I, they're, they're, um, they're incredible people. And we want to make sure they're supported and have everything <laughs> they need to do whatever they want to do. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, I don't know that I have any more questions. I think that this covers it. So I appreciate you meeting with me and I love learning about the community. I want to visit someday. Well, I invite you to, I would love to show you around anytime you're in the area. Yeah, if my my husband's a fly fisherman, gosh, if he saw this community, he'd say, "Are you oh. sure you want to? Don't you want to move over there?" <laughs> but, um, yeah. Well, come visit. Um, yeah. Let me know if you need anything else. I'm happy to support you any way I can. Okay, thanks. Take Kate. care. Thank Have you. a good one. Yeah, you too. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Agrihoods have grown in popularity, and according to the Urban Land Institute, as of May 2020, there are 90 currently in the United States. People are wanting to find ways to connect with nature, connect with people, have more space, and everyone loves good food. And so the idea of having organic produce right in your own backyard is really taking off. So in this podcast, you're going to find that I'll be bringing in all sorts of guests from wellness developers to wellness architects to eco designers to other wellness agents, all so that you can learn about this new fast growing segment of our industry and hopefully to inspire you to reach out and build a local network of green professionals around you so that you can be the go-to wellness agent in your area. It's only a matter of time before wellness real estate becomes mainstream. And now is your opportunity to get out ahead of that and to become the leader that you're meant to be. Next week, I've got an interview with a company that uses wool for insulation. Apparently, it's so much better than fiberglass. It's non-toxic, it will not mold like fiberglass does because it dries out, and it's great for soundproofing too. So if you're curious to learn more about eco-friendly trends and new discoveries, be sure to catch next week's episode. I guarantee the other regular agents will not know anything about this. So see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you learned something new that will inspire you to think about your branding and how you can market yourself a little differently. If you enjoyed this episode, then you're going to love what I have for you because you don't need to wait to go get extra certifications or to grow and expand your network to get started attracting those new leads right now. You can simply begin by talking about wellness real estate trends and what you've learned on this podcast with others. I mean, this is pretty interesting stuff that no one has heard about, and I have all the tools that can make it even easier for you. Wellness Real Estate Magazine is a brand new wellness lifestyle magazine, and it's the only magazine that brings health and home together. We educate readers on industry trends and how to create a healthier home environment, written by industry experts around the country. And we have three covers to choose from, Wellness RE, Healthy Home, and Wellness at Home, so you can easily find one that aligns with your unique brand and messaging. These magazines are the perfect done-for-you tools that help you not only stay top of mind, but they educate and engage your audience, which positions you as an industry expert. Differentiate yourself and grow your brand the easy way. Learn more at HealthyHomeMedia.com.